Welcome to the Miller Oddcast, a brand new podcast from the Missouri Review. For over 40 years now, TMR has been discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Our quarterly magazine appears in print, digital, and audio formats. Learn more at MissouriReview.com. Hello and welcome to Miller Oddcast episode 16. In this episode, we feature Marina Favila's entry, Holy Holy, a finalist in the humor category for the 2021 Miller Audio Prize. Marina Favilla is a professor of English Emerita at James Madison University. She has published essays on Shakespeare, poetry, and film in academic journals, such as Modern Philology and Texas Studies in Literature and Language. Her published creative work includes pieces in Weird Book, Wraparound South, and Flame Tree Press's Haunted House Short Stories Anthology. Here's what Favilla has to say about the piece. When I told a friend I needed to write artistic notes for Holy Holy, she suggested I address how almost everything that makes us laugh juxtaposes the sacred and the profane. We're academics by trade, so that sounded like a smart way in. Unfortunately, what I discovered is that anytime you try to explain why something's funny, it ceases to be funny pretty quickly. So, I like Christmas stories. I try to write one every year. Of course, 2020 was pretty harrowing, and along with losing someone I adored, well, it was a crap year. But the person I lost loved to laugh. Great, deep, soul-satisfying, belly-in, belly-out laughs. He also trafficked in the sacred and profane, spirit and body, especially the body. And he wasn't afraid of a good Rabelaisian snort. He loved Shakespeare, too, especially the gravedigger scene in Hamlet with its fall of a sparrow stretch between godlike apprehension and Yorick's dirty skull. So maybe this story is my way of trying to create a similar stretch for myself, from the grave to the gravedigger scene, from mourning to mirth. I wanted to celebrate the union of body and spirit, though I admit my connection is a bit unconventional. Anyway, hope the story makes you laugh. And what the hell? Merry Christmas. Make sure you stick around after the story to listen to a short conversation about the piece with me and contest editor Bailey Boyd and interns Annalise Hatchakis and Olivia Douglas. And now, Holy Holy by Marina Favilla. Holy Holy by Marina Favilla. When I told Father Carlisle, my divine visitation was preceded by two sneezes and a nosebleed. He was not impressed. Give me a palm wound, Mary Catherine. Give me a pain in your side. Angel voices, crystal tears, the faint scent of miniature roses. I'd even take some fluttering eye trances or a headache that won't quit. But sneezing? Nosebleeds? Ridiculous. Ludicrous. There's no way God comes calling after a nosebleed. It's unseemly. Then he walked away with a haughty bounce the communion tray in one hand and a half bottle of wine in the other. And I thought to myself, what's a girl to do? I mean, you can't object to a priest without some serious backlash, especially if your mom considered the nunnery at 13 and your uncle plays golf with the church accountant. So I skulked down the vestibule and cast my eyes upward. Not my fault, God. Remember that. Next time you come calling, you better think of something else. God came calling two weeks later, preceded by massive belching and farting. 
I was afraid I might burst before that rip-roaring cyclone of beatitude came barreling through my lower intestines, exploding in a flurry of hot air and hallelujahs! What the heck was going on? But then I saw it. I mean, him. I saw him, God, right there, floating on a cloud and wearing a robe of white and gold chiffon. Pardon? Always hard to hear the divine, what with all the whooshing going on and that distracting peach light shooting back and forth. Say again? Who now? Where? Not the answer I was looking for, but off I go and... Mary Catherine! Mary Catherine, for Christ's sake, girl, God doesn't announce his earthly visitations in a cloud of flatulence. He doesn't call to us through a belching nor'easter. I doubt he visits little girls at all. Certainly not little girls the likes of you. Then he muttered something about knowing who left the chocolate-smeared Bible in the pew last Sunday. But that was weeks ago, so I don't think that could have been me. I was about to say so, too, when he up and walked away again. Stalked away, really, a sneer on his long wooden face. And I'm pretty sure he didn't have any place to go, for Evensong was four hours away, and the sign for Heavenly Council read another thirty minutes. Of course, it didn't end there. Father Carlyle called my mom that night. I could tell by the way she answered the phone. Oh, my, my, why, yes, so nice. No, haven't noticed. She said what? Oh. Oh. Uh, I could do that. And when she got off the phone, she and Dad convened in the study for a good half hour before dinner. When they came out, I was told I was being shipped to Grand's for Christmas, maybe longer. The why was not revealed. I was only told that change was good. And yes, Mom likes to wave her fingers in quotation marks for emphasis. And when I followed suit, waving my own little girl digits, and asked, Mommy, why's this change being arranged? I was sent to bed without dinner. I guess fasting was supposed to purify my soul, or at least lessen the gas attacks. Though how that works when God's the gasser, I couldn't tell you. Here's the thing. Just because you leave your home, or any place really, doesn't mean God can't find you. And another two weeks down, deep in December, with a layer of snow on the ground and the Appalachian wind howling outside, and my grandmother knitting on the couch, and the Walking Dead Christmas special wailing on TV, Mother of God! I could feel it building up like a rocket before liftoff, and the pressure to hold myself together before I hit the bathroom near levitated me off the chair, carried me down the hall, and hovercrafted my ass over the toilet where God rushed right through me, right through me, divine light, hot white, down and out. I could feel his torpedo speed, east to west, north to south, like an avalanche of angel wings sweeping out my colon. If my mouth had been open, I'm sure I would have belted out a Mozart aria or hit a high note C like a tea kettle screaming without end. And the fact, the very fact, that the toilet could even flush the what and the what not that came out of my body that day like a cresting Hawaiian typhonic wave that twirled to the top, then titled down the basin without splish or splash or a dead man's gurgle, that, that should be miracle enough for Sir Snooty, father full of grace, holier than thou, Carlyle. I didn't even wait for God to ask me. I rushed right to the phone, dialed up the rectory, waited on hold for 15 minutes, and then the secretary wouldn't even put me through. Said the father wouldn't take my call. 
And even when Gran got on the line, not a darn thing changed. So you gotta wonder what they're teaching in those seminaries. I mean, you'd think, so close to Christmas, he would have wanted to talk to someone who'd actually been visited by God. But not a minute, not a holy minute for the holy. Later that night, Gran sat me down and advised me not to mention God's visits anymore. Not to anyone, not even Mom and Dad. She said these things skip a generation. And Mom was too sensible to understand. And she used those finger quotation marks, too, so I guess that didn't skip a generation. Besides, it's nobody's business but your own. And she told me God's a strange duck anyway. She knew it herself and had had many a long conversation with him after dinner in the bathroom during similar godlike bouts. Then she said we were lucky, her and me, that God didn't visit everyone like this, or if he did, they didn't seem to notice that the body was sacred and real and the only meaningful everyday way God had of reaching us. Sneezing, belching, farting, pooping. What did people think that was all about anyway? The body ridding itself of all the poison and badness inside, outside. And what of that lovely, spent, hollow feeling that always follows after? The letting go. The opening up that catches us into quiet. Blessings enough for a lifetime. With that, she put me to bed and smoothed my long hair over the pillow. And I dreamt the most wonderful dream, though I couldn't tell you what it was, only that I woke up happy, peaceful. The thought of waves, I think, bath warm. And that was Christmas morning. Gran made eggs and bacon and hot biscuits with honey and hot, hot chocolate with a touch of coffee. And we had a grand time, I mean, just grand, sitting at the table, looking out the window, at snow, sun, sky. Hello, you just listened to Holy Holy by Marina Favila. And now we're going to get to talk about it. And by we, I mean me, Mark McKee, managing editor at TMR, Bailey Boyd, our contest editor, and Annalise Hatchakis and Olivia Douglas, who are interning with us. Right now, all their Zooms are on mute, so you can't hear them laughing at me. But laughing is a good place to be in, is a good spot for this piece. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about it, have a little bit of a conversation about uh, some takeaways that we had. And uh, who would like to start? Well, I wanted to mention that um, one of the comments from one of the readers who or listeners to this piece commented about how the character really comes alive in this piece. And I think that that's really um, a testament not only to Favilla's writing, but also to her delivery and um, how we're kind of welcomed into the world and welcomed into um, this feeling of being allowed to you know, experience these things and, and see this perspective from this young child. And so um, I really appreciated that. And so did another listener on this piece. So I wanted to mention that at least at the beginning here. Yeah, I, I like to add to that a little bit too, because one of the things that I thought was special about the piece was here we have a little girl who's uh, seeing visions of God and reporting those visions to, you know, her priest. And the priest is, uh, rejects her visions and rejects her understanding. But 
in the very way that she's alive, she keeps being, I guess, if if I if I can use the term more, I mean, aliver as the as the story goes on. She becomes more and more kind of convinced of her truth. And even though that truth is kind of a kind of dangerous mix, dangerous for adults mixture of the sacred with the profane there's no clear division she understands kind of like bowel movements and stuff at and farting as uh as um a kind of like presence of the divine yeah i felt like there was a you know there was an innocence to that which we had uh, mentioned before um, but there's also an earnestness to this character's faith um and she really with a child's open-mindedness. She is the one who we're kind of rooting for. Um, and I felt that the use of scatological humor throughout the piece, I mean, it's funny. It was, you know, it makes you giggle. Um, but then after you finish giggling, then the insight comes. And in that way, uh, it provides for a deeper investigation into faith and belief then it would certainly appear on its surface and that is it's rooted so um it's rooted so naturally and organically in the body and i think that there's a certain way that delivery of the piece over over the course of the story um where that real that that earnestness that you speak of Annalise, uh is really kind of undergirded by the softening and realization of this of the of the narrator as we get to the end, um, where she has been sent to live with her grand, and she's she's kind of really learning to appreciate her understanding. And mentioning like kind of continuing to build off of this idea of her innocence and eagerness, is I think in a way the tone helps with the like it makes the humor in a way because um as you get older you know in those situations you would be embarrassed or ashamed for like having believed that um farting and being um something holy goes together but she is the little girl is not ashamed mm -hmm. she is set in her way she's like no this is it and she is exasperated and baffled by the fact that the adults do not understand and it is just it is funny and endearing that she is just so set and so unmovable in her ideas and in her beliefs of this. I, yeah, I love that, Olivia, because that's also what I was thinking about hearing this multiple times is how indignant the character is about this. And that's what I, I, I love that, um, you know, the, the, the not backing down as we keep, as we keep saying. Um, and so, yeah, um, it, it endeared me, like you were saying, endeared me to this character. Um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you don't want to call it impudence. It's just an absolute sincerity and a kind of, and an assured uh, understanding of how things are. And it's also, it's so, it's, it's such a gifted, uh, perspective as well, it's such a forgiving perspective and such an understanding perspective that I think that we in the end are really encouraged to embrace the child's vision over one that might be more corrupted by, you know, matters of politesse. Yeah.
for sure. All right. Well, we all enjoyed that a lot. We hope that you did too. Um, please uh, remember that we are a weekly podcast and we'll be coming back with episode number 17 next week. Thanks, Bailey. Thanks, Annalise. Thanks, Olivia. Thank you. Thanks again for being with us for Miller Oddcast number 16. Gratitude to Marina Favilla for allowing us to showcase her work. It's an honor. Stay tuned for Miller Oddcast number 17, coming soon. And don't forget, submissions are open now for the 2021 Miller Audio Prize. The deadline for this year's contest is June 15th. Learn all about it at our website. Thanks also to the Missouri Review contest editor, Bailey Boyd, to Annalise Hatchakis and to Olivia Douglas for chiming in, and to Patricia Miller for her generous support for the Miller Audio Prize. Finally, TMR is open for submissions year-round, and we remain dedicated to discovering and publishing the best contemporary writing in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Be heard. Give us the opportunity to discover you. Submit your work today. Learn more at MissouriReview.com.